Greetings and welcome. My name is Mike Bankhead. I am your host. I am a bass player and songwriter from the Gem City, Dayton, Ohio, and I'm back after a lot of technical difficulties. My guest on today's episode is Holly G from Black Opry. Black Opry is going to be here in Dayton at the Levitt Pavilion tomorrow, August 11th, and I really want you to come to the show. Why? Why is this good for you if you like authentic music? Well, stick around and learn the answer to that question on the You Could Be My Aramis podcast. This episode is brought to you by my brand new EP, I Am Experienced. It's about a month and a half old, and it is all about black art, black stories, and black experiences. And that really dovetails nicely with the content of today's episode. Let's get to know Holly G and Black Opry. Hello there, Holly. Would you uh, kindly introduce yourself uh, for the listeners? I'm Holly G, and I'm the founder of the Black Opry. Very nice and succinct. And what is the mission over there at the Black Opry? Um, So our main mission is to just bring people together, Black people together that like country music, um, we have now grown into a space that supports artists that make country music. Um, so we do our best to platform those artists in as many ways as we can. And we just want to change the culture of co- country music to make it more inclusive and more representative of the many people that listen to it instead of the straight, white, conservative face that we have seen marketed as the face of country music for so long. There's a lot of places to to dive in, dive into your mission, and I want to start from maybe the point of view that I would have had when I was a teenager. So mm-hmm. this is young teenage me talking. That's not our music. Why in the world would you want to? Why why is this necessary when when that's not music for us? That's what teenage me would say. What would you say to that version of Mike? Well, that was, you know, kind of my understanding of it as well before I started this. But um, the fact of the matter is Black people were there at the start of country music. A lot of the um, early, early country singers that we think of as the pioneers of country music learned their music from Black people. And so it's just as much our music as it is anybody else. Um, Some would argue maybe even more so. The problem is like so many things in American culture, once white people got a hold of it, we got pushed out of it. So it's like black people created it and then white people took it, commercialized it and made it to an entire industry that we've not been allowed to be a part of. And so um, a lot of times in the conversation that we've been having now, people are asked like, we'll describe it as a, a revolution, but it's really not. It's a reclamation of something that was already ours to begin with. I like that. And you're from Nashville, right? Perhaps? No, I'm no? from Virginia. I actually just moved to Nashville um, maybe about four or five months ago. Okay. When I when I think about country music, I think about Nashville, and that's why, obviously. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> that's how I ended up living here. Um, this is so much the epicenter of um, especially the business side of country music. But, I mean, even that's a myth. There's country music being made all over the country, in all parts of the country. We've even done you know, very successful shows. Some of our most successful shows have been up in New York. So there's a huge market for this music everywhere. I think um, the problem lies within the people that are 
in control of the marketing and advertising for it. They've been able to make so much money by keeping it a closed box that they've ignored all of these different demographics and populations that want to make it and listen to it and just be a part of it. What, Holly, are you telling me that the music business as based in Nashville is not (laughs) (laughs) merit-based? Yeah, I think that would be, looking for a merit-based section of the music industry in any genre is probably a futile effort. That is so true. And I, you know, as a musician, I, I see it differently than, you know, people who don't make music and just listen to it. And obviously you do too. But I wonder how many people who are not that close to the business realize that, you know? Yeah, so little of it has to do with like talent or, you know, actually being good at anything. Everything that I've been able to discover and tap into in the music industry is so relational. And that's been a huge part of our success has just been building these relationships with these people that have power. Because when it comes down to it, the the opportunities go to the people um, within their networks. And it very, very, very little of the time has anything to do with how good anybody is. And we try to, you know, push back against that in the way that we operate a little bit. For example, with our with our shows, we have a, to- a national tour that travels across the country. And when uh, venues book our tour or even festivals, all they have the opportunity to book is a brand. And so they basically give me the, the freedom and control to say who gets to be put on those stages. And we are very, very liberal with those opportunities. As long as you, you know, are capable of playing and singing and, you know, holding on to a crowd, we are willing to put you on a stage. Um, even we have different level opportunities. So of course, if you're more experienced, um, you would get a bigger opportunity, like something like Newport Folk Fest. But we have a lot of like small town, you know, venues that we play and we try to give people chances and opportunities so that they can learn and grow and develop at whatever stage of their career they're in. That's awesome. And I'm going to get into that more uh, specifically as it applies to you coming back to Dayton this year, because you were here last year and you'll be back again. But I really want to touch on the building relationships and networking thing, especially as it applies to the way the Nashville part of the industry uh, does their business. And this is something when I was reading about your, your first efforts to start up the Black Opry that really grabbed my attention is it appears that you noticed that when there would be the discussions about who gets the opportunity, there wouldn't be any brown people even invited to the room. Correct. And honestly, for all intents and purposes, that's mostly still the case. You know, I'm very fortunate that people allow me a voice in these rooms sometimes, but I still, I mean, I don't have any... um, like affiliation in any official capacity with any of these large institutions, what I am able to do is call them out um, and kind of push them in the right direction. But as far as the people that are making the decisions in the industry, it is still most mostly white men. Um, for some reason in Nashville, the diversity ep- efforts tend to stop once white women have been included. It's another thing that we're we're fighting against and pushing back on. But the people that are making the decisions are not representative of a diverse and inclusive culture. And that's such a huge part of the problem that, you know, is going so long 
without any effort to be rectified. So we're pushing back against that as much as we can as well and really, really hoping to see um, more diversity from the executive side of things because that's what's going to make the difference. So when you first started Black Opry, how did you how did you put it together at the very beginning? What was that like? Um, so I had a very small and narrow um, view of what it was going to be at the beginning. It was really just going to be a blog only because, you know, it was re- mostly just to alleviate my personal frustrations with the industry. So I was trying to find a small community of like-minded people um, who also enjoyed the same kind of music I did. And I very quickly realized that what I thought was going to be a smart, small community was actually a very large number of people who felt left out. And so um, the more people that kind of drew themselves to what we were doing, the more we realized that we had more opportunities to do bigger things. So it just kind of organically snowballed from, you know, it started out as a website and then um, we went to Americana Fest that first year and met everybody in person. And then that turned into us doing a tour. And, you know, now that's the bulk of what we do is this huge um, touring review that we run throughout the year. Um, and now we're also like looking into other ways to support the artists and executives and the fans that we want to see represented in this space. So, um, this year we were able to pull off with XPN up in Philadelphia, a huge artist residency program where they got, you know, direct mentorship from leaders in the industry and were able to spend a week up in Philadelphia recording at World Cafe. Um, and there's a the podcast out about that now that details that whole journey. But, you know, basically my philosophy with the whole thing is if it's not going to negatively affect my mental health, then I don't say no. So anytime somebody brings me an idea or an opportunity, I assess that part of it. And if I feel like I can complete it without, <laughs> you know, damaging myself too much or, you know, wearing myself out, then we, we try to go for it. Excellent. The Black Opry Review is stopping by here, stopping by Dayton, Ohio this year. And, and again, you were here last summer and you're coming back this summer. So listeners, especially for those of you in the Dayton area. Black Opry Review will be here at the Levitt Pavilion on August 11th. Uh, like most shows, well, like all shows at the Levitt, uh, that show is going to start at 7 o'clock p.m. August 11th is a Friday night. And I want to talk a little bit about the lineup that you put together for this particular show. Last year, it was all gentlemen. And this yeah, year, and- it's all ladies. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to try to be very careful about equity in our lineups and we try to make sure there's queer representation, um, disabled representation when we can get it, but definitely gender equality within our lineups. And for some reason, when I was booking that show last year, every woman that we had within our roster was booked that day. So that I remember is. telling, <laughs> I remember telling the guys like, please enjoy this. Cause it's very unlikely we'll ever have a lineup of all guys again. Cause I really try to avoid that. Um, and it was something that Levitt picked up on as well. And so um, the way we figured to balance that out was to bring back all women this year. So we've got a really, really exciting lineup coming back. Yeah, it's, I hope I pronounce everyone's name correctly. I probably won't. Larissa J, Carmen mm-hmm. Diane, Whitney mm-hmm. Monger, I'm going to guess. Mm-hmm. 
uh, yep. Julie Williams and Roberta Leah. Roberta Lee, yes. Roberta Lee, sorry. No, all good. Yeah, all of these artists are just really amazing in their own right. Carmen Diane is an artist that has performed a few shows with us here in Nashville, and I think she's done one in Georgia. But she has the like most beautiful voice. Every time I hear, she does these runs, which every you'll hear in the audience, like people are yelling out Whitney and Beyonce. She's <laughs> just got this beautiful tone to her voice, um, and she plays bass as she sings, which I've never seen before. Well, but that's cool. That's what I play. I that's my kind of person right there. It's really really cool the way that she does that. Um, Whitney Monge is also a newer artist that is playing with us. She's actually coming with us to Newport as well. So she will be fresh off Newport um, once she get there, but she's just a powerhouse vocalist who has been on the music scene for such a long time. Uh, she's from Seattle, but she's living in North Carolina now. So we're happy that she's able to travel with us to Ohio. Um, Larissa J is a local artist from Nashville. And Larissa is one of those artists who has done all of the right things. Like she's playing shows three or four nights a week. She's writing amazing songs. She's networking. She's like busting her ass to do music the right way. And I think that she just needs an opportunity for someone to see exactly how good she is because she is really, really good and just captivating with the way that she tells stories. Um, and then we have Julie Williams and Roberta Lee who both also will be with us at Newport. Um, these are two artists that have been with us since... Uh, closer to the beginning um, and they also were just named CMT Next Woman of Country so we're really really excited um, that they're still available to to tour with us um, at some points because they're definitely getting busier and busier as their success continues to grow and is this going to be kind of songwriters in the round style like the like last year's yep it will be writers round which is a really cool setup I think that um, not there's not a lot of writers around setups outside it seems to be kind of like a Nashville thing um, so it's always really cool for us to take that format out on the road into different markets and it's also a really cool opportunity for people to see the camaraderie among the artists that we have within Black Opry because that's another one of the things or I think one of the reasons why there have been so few black artists because they're always pit against each other and made to feel like you know there's only one spot for a black artist so you guys have to fight with it fight for it and we're very very intentional about breaking that myth down and proving that these artists can be more successful together than fighting against each other when you see them on stage a lot of times by the end of the song they'll end up kind of singing each other's songs and doing harmonies and just to see that camaraderie and that support up on stage in real time is really beautiful yeah uh, Dayton actually has a long tradition of writer's rounds. However, unless you're really deep into the musician community here, I don't think a lot of people know. So for you folks in Dayton that play and that remember uh, Canal Street Tavern and, and the weekly songwriter rounds that Mick would do, this is, you're going to feel very comfortable uh, if you come to the Levitt and, and watch this show, it'll bring back good memories. And and for other folks who don't have that memory, definitely enjoy this. It's, it's a chance to listen to songwriters tell some stories. And yeah, Holly, you're right. Like everybody's rooting for each other in, in events like that. And that's kind of a, that's what makes music beautiful, right? Yeah. When we all feel like we can be a part of it, 
um it just makes it more special for everybody and having them all up on stage together really makes you feel like you are kind of sitting in a in a room with with them and as fans of music that's a dream for us to like kind of see behind closed doors what it's like to hang out with musicians so you kind of you could see it and hear the music and hear the stories and it's just really great yeah uh what are you listening to these days? I want I want to go into a little personal Holly. What 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 has been um, in your on rotation recently? You know, I was just thinking yesterday how bad it is that I have not actually been listening to a lot of music. <laughs> it's really bad because now that it's a job, you don't you kind of don't really have the the time to do it as much. Mm. Um, but you know, we are probably three or four nights a week. We are at shows here in Nashville trying to catch up with local Black artists to see who's doing what, show support. Um, the other the other really cool part about my job is that people send me music before it comes out. So uh, Julie Williams, who's on that lineup, she just put out an EP and um, she's also been playing some really cool music for us that hasn't come out yet. So she'll probably play a lot of that. Roberta Lee just put a single out that's really good. Um, one of the artists that we work with out of South Carolina, Mel Washington, just sent us some music that is absolutely amazing. I'm really, really excited for that to come out. Um, but then too, I kind of like, um, I have a record player in my room where I kind of like recalibrate. So I've been listening to a lot of like Fleetwood Mac and Florence Welch too, and Hosier, just random stuff that's not country sometimes that kind of cleanse my palate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm all over the place when it comes to that. That's good. I, I think especially if we make music, the more the more the wider music that we take in, it makes what we write more interesting, right? Because we are the sum of what we hear. Um, so now I want to get into the Wayback Machine. I'd like you uh, to think about as far back as you can remember. What's the first song that you can remember hearing in your life? Um, <laughs> I don't know the exact first song. I remember the first country song I remember being exposed to is oh, Breaky Heart." Oh, that means uh, you must be a lot younger than me because I feel like that was in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, I was I was born in eighty nine, so I was okay, yeah, maybe like five or six. And I remember, uh, I remember my grandma singing that all the time. That's probably the first uh, musical memory that I can recall of an actual song do you still like icky breaky heart what's that do you still like that one? Oh yeah it's a good song okay that was a that was a crossover hit <laughs> it was and i heard it so much i would i cannot tell you how tired of hearing it always when i was a kid oh i feel like everybody probably was because i mean nobody in my family is a huge country music fan and that's how i know that it had to be a really big song at the time uh, for my grandmother to know it. Yeah, it was on like this mainstream pop radio. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I don't listen to pop radio anymore, but I don't know that there's probably a lot of country artists uh, hitting the billboard or, the, you know, the pop charts, maybe. There is one unfortunate one. Um, oh, don't tell me it's the guy that I'm <laughs> thinking of. Yeah, it's pro it's he who shall not be named. But um, All I you got to do to be popular is disparage black people. Exactly. There's there's a magic word you can see that will get a lot of the country music industry on your side, unfortunately. But I think as um, 
more, there's a push for more diversity in country music, what's going to happen is a lot of these artists are going to end up um, filtering over to pop radio because country radio just like refuses to budge. That's the one space in country music that has been the hardest for us to make any change. Nobody wants to listen. They don't see that there's any problem. And so we can't make any impact there. And so the women, the queer people, the Black artists, they're all pushing their music into different spaces just so they can survive as artists because country radio will not support them. So I think what's going to end up happening is like artists like, I mean, we've seen with Casey Musgraves and Mara Morris, they kind of push themselves over into pop um, just because country radio won't support it. And I think that will continue to be a trend and it will, maybe it will help broaden the the scope of the audience for country music by having that, that music in different spaces. That could be. I think that if you really, especially the stuff coming out of Nashville, if you really break down the songwriting, there's not really anything about the songwriting that says country. It's more about the way that the instrumentation and the vocal approach is done, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I always thought that if a song was good enough, you could turn it into any genre you want and it would still sound pretty cool. Um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, true across the board. And it's also, that's also a point of contention now for artists is how genre is decided and who's allowed to be in what genre. And once they get assigned to a genre, how do they break out of that? Because it's... You know, it's all very convoluted and some some days very, very difficult to understand or to explain. But um, the fact of the matter is, like, people that like good music don't really care what you call it. And so the hope is that whatever this music is categorized as, it will find the people that love it. I like that. That's, yeah, that's so true. All right, so the last of the questions that I ask everybody, the 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 song you remember when is the first one, is a question I stole from another podcast, but I like it. Uh, <laughs> it is, what did your childhood smell like? Mm. This is probably going to be really weird, but like, the only thing I can think of is like cheap plastic, like yeah, Barbies. Yeah, like Barbies that, you know, that plasticky, like Barbie smell. I feel like all the toys, because I mean, I grew up in like the 90s, 2000s. And I feel like all of the toys back then were made out of this like weird plastic. <laughs> like that's all I can think about is like the Barbie smell and like, um, like Nerf guns, that kind of plastic stuff. All right. That's really weird, but that's the only real like smell I can remember from back then. That's great. That's why I like that question. No two <laughs> people have the same answer and you might get an interesting story out of it. So when you're uh when Black Opry's out on the road, how many of those shows do you get a chance to go? Do you are you like on the tour bus with them? Do you get to them all or 80%? No. No. When we first started, I was going to all of the shows um because I didn't have any experience in the music industry and I wanted to make sure that if I was sending people to shows and they were asking me questions, I could answer them intelligently. So I went to like the first, I don't know, maybe 30 or so shows to make sure that I knew what was going on. Um, but at this point, I don't, I'm, you know, I was working as a flight attendant when I first started this and I've since quit that job to do this full time. And one of the things that I really enjoy about it is that I get to sit still for a little bit. I think I'm kind of like all traveled out. 
So I go to ones that are um, either seem complicated or just the ones I really want to go to, which is really nice. <laughs> so I went to uh, this year. I've gone to we did a cruise. I went on that one. Uh, nice. We're doing new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oddly enough, that was one of the ones that I really, really did not want to go to just because I didn't like the idea of being on a boat that long. Um, but we did the Kayama cruise and the the staff on that cruise is honestly one of the best that I've worked with. So I'm really glad that I went and got to experience that. Um, but we did that one. I'm going to go to Newport just because that one, um, Newport is one of the, the most fun things you can do. They're pretty prestigious in the business too. So, yeah, it's funny. I didn't realize that we played it last year too. And I had, I didn't know what it was when they called me the first time. <laughs> Uh, and I remember let, telling my agent, like, this Newport thing is asking us to come play. And she was like, you <laughs> yes. need to call them back immediately. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess so. Um, and it was one of the best experiences that we've had. They've Again, just really great people, really great atmosphere that they've created with the fans that they bring out there. So I'm really, really excited about that one. But um, oh. other than that, I'm just kind of hitting the pavement in Nashville and trying to make some strides here on the on the business side well I, I hope you come to Dayton in August and the reason is I know you came last year and I was too checked in to go say hi I saw you and oh no I was like a little I was a little starstruck and I was like you know she's probably real busy and I didn't want to bother you and so like now I feel like I missed my chance to meet you face to face so uh probably because I'm not going <laughs> back honestly and you know what though we had such a great experience at that venue um, it was one of my favorite shows that I went to last year. And part of the reason was because of the way that um, the people that run that pavilion, the way they take care of the community, it was really cool to see, you know, people that will typically be wandering the streets were able to come in for that concert and yep. be comfortable and respected. And um, it was just such a wide range of people. And, you know, it was, it was a really good experience. Lisa, who runs a lot of the stuff over there, was amazing to work with. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not going back to Ohio. <laughs> I get it. Full disclosure, I volunteer at Levitt, and I agree with you. The the Lisa and her staff are wonderful, and that's a great place for the community, all parts of the community. Uh, it to is. See, that's to so see very music welcoming. in a beautiful setting, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. There was even a random guy walking around in a Spider-Man costume. I don't think I saw the Spider-Man guy last year. <laughs> I have a picture of it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> <That> is... <laughs> I, I remember looking up like, I've only had one beer. <laughs> There's no way I should be seeing things. Uh, and, but yeah, we had a great time. And right, it's, It is free and accessible to the community. It's free, but they also manage to pay the musicians fairly. And that, that's what makes me love it. So Yes, that is a huge deal for us. And, you know, it makes it so much easier when we don't have to fight for what we're worth yeah so dear listeners that's again friday august 11th black opera review coming back to the Levitt pavilion larissa J, carmen Deanne, whitney mon manger julie williams roberta lee i plan to be there i would like to see all of you there too uh holly thank you very much for taking time out of your uh, very busy schedule to talk to me i really appreciate it i all the work you're doing is awesome. And I hope that you have the energy to keep going. 
Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, reaching out and hopefully we can find some opportunities to work on some stuff here in the future. I won't be there, but please go and say hi to all of the artists. They'll be very, very happy to, to meet you. I'll, I'll tell them to be on the lookout for you. I will certainly do so. Thanks. Thank you once again to Holly G for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you, dear listeners, for being here. I know it's been a while. I hope you haven't forgotten about my little podcast. But again, I had some technical issues, and they're still not solved 100%, but I'm working on it. If you live in the Dayton area, please go down to Love It Tomorrow and catch for free the very five talented women of the Black Opera Review. Whether you live in Dayton or not, the show notes for this episode have a lot of links. I've linked to every single one of the artists that is playing the show here at Levitt, and I've linked to the Black Opry website and their social media. I encourage you to check all that out. They're doing good work for some hardworking musicians. Once again, thank you, and this episode is brought to you by I Am Experienced, my brand new concept EP that is all about black experiences. Each song on that EP is in a different genre of music. One of them is an Americana song, and that would fit in perfectly with the kind of thing that Black Opry is doing. I hope to talk to you all soon. Thanks again. Bye.